Welcome back into what I guess is going to be the final regular season recording of the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford and Danny Sennard here with you on a Friday, getting you ready for tomorrow's big-time game in Charlottesville, Louisville versus Virginia. All sorts of ramifications on the line. Uh, ACC regular season ramifications, ACC tournament seeding ramifications, NCAA tournament seeding ramifications. It's as big as a regular season finale as we've had in quite some time. Uh, before we get into all that good stuff, Dan, back from Ann Arbor, back in your hometown of Columbus. How are you on this Friday? I'm good. It was a nice week of traveling in the great state of Michigan. Um, it's starting to warm up up there, so it's always nice when it's warm. But yeah, good to be back, and I'm, I'm uh, ready for Saturday. You and John Beeline in town at the same time. Pretty wild. Oh, yeah. Fun times. He, he was there for senior day. Um, but we were talking before, as I mentioned, Saturday, it feels like the big, biggest regular season finale game that we've had in a long, long time. And I guess the most like, the other game that comes to mind when you think about what might be the one that holds that title, it's been 10 years ago exactly today, March 6th here. Happy birthday to my little sister, Katie Rutherford. I know she's not going to listen to this, but happy birthday to you anyway. Happy birthday, Katie. And I'll never forget, like, her birthday is always going to be tied hand-in-hand hand with this event, for better or for worse. Ten years ago today, we shut down Freedom Hall. It was the last game. The Cards needed to beat number one Syracuse to solidify their NCAA tournament resume. And more importantly, I think Louisville just needed to beat number one Syracuse to have the proper send-off to a building that meant so much to so many people. And... I'll share my memories. I know we, you and I ended up spending most of the day together. We didn't go to the game together. But when you think about that day 10 years ago, March 6, 2010, what's the biggest thing that stands out to you? What do you remember the most? Well, um, first off, obviously, just I've never seen Freedom Hall in that sort of frenzy before. But from a personal standpoint, I don't even know if you remember this. I actually didn't even go to the game. Um, oh, you didn't? No, because... We usually got our tickets from, I call him my uncle. He's my great uncle. He lived in Washington, D.C., and he would always send in tickets. And that's, you know, I'm grateful for him for doing that. But those are the tickets we had our whole life. And he'd usually come into one game a year, and he came in for that game. That's right. And we we, I did not attend. It's like, so pretty much Dan in the dumps right off the bat here. <laughs> I've attended about 20,000 games at Freedom Hall and I didn't go to that one, but uh, no, I, it, even just watching on TV, I, it was just pandemonium from pretty much every angle. So we got tickets. The, the biggest thing that I remember about the beginning of the game was like, we thought we'd planned ahead of time. We did a little bit of birthday stuff with my sister and then bounced for the game. And we thought that we had plenty of time. We were getting there way early but we were so nervous about getting in there, wanting to see all the before the game stuff. And the traffic was so bad, the, the classic ring road traffic. And eventually, like, I just pulled up into the middle island, like, all, like right off the street to where, like, cars are not supposed to be at all. It's like pulled up onto one of those middle island things and was like, fuck it. I'm leaving the car here. I'm like, if it gets towed, it's worth the 75 bucks or 150 bucks, however much I've got to pay. We can't miss the start of this game. We can't miss the pregame festivities. Just hauled ass inside. I had... Um, I'd stumbled into an extra ticket that I had sold to our buddy Weber and he couldn't get in. The ticket like didn't work. So, so he just like sped through the turnstile, just like ran past. He, he found the Probably youngest a smart ticket. move. He found the youngest ticket taker he could find and just blew past him and, and went into the game. So everybody gets in. And then I, the biggest thing to me, and I wrote this earlier today on car Chronicle and kind of reflecting on the game. When we walked out of the building, just like everybody celebrating, 
everybody high-fiving. It wasn't, I mean, it was a big-time regular season win, and we've had a bunch of those over the years, but it felt different. And I remember telling uh, Mary, who's then my girlfriend, now my wife, I remember telling her, I feel like this is as close to what it feels like to winning a national title as I've ever experienced. Because, you know, back then we hadn't, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't had 2013, we hadn't had the national titles, and I felt like that was kind of the closest. Just like that buzz, that different vibe, that just, it, just, it was so overwhelmingly positive. And then the whole Kyle Kirk storyline coming out of nowhere, dunking on everybody, hitting all the threes. It was just, that that day was the absolute best. And we went over to your place, drank all day, went out to the bars, blacked out. Like, it was a good time to be 23, 24, 25, however, however old we were. I mean, that day was the absolute best. And the fact that the schedule happened to line up to where the last game of the year, we were going to need it to get into the tournament and it happened to be against number one Syracuse. Like, I just feel like that doesn't happen at other universities. Like it's kind of just what makes Louisville basketball special. It just seems like usually when you needed to, all the chips fall into place for kind of the perfect ending. So, um, but yeah, and the way the game played out, like it kind of went back and forth, forth in the first half. And then, Obviously, Kyle went bananas from three and had about a couple dunks and that alley, couple alley-oops to finish it off. And it was just, I mean, it was awesome. There's nothing else to say. I was very, very jealous I wasn't there, but I do remember how fun it was celebrating after. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things was that the official attendance wound up being 20,135, which was the, the biggest crowd in the history of the, you know, the 54-year history that Freedom Hall had been around. So that was awesome. I also loved, like, Rick Pitino after the game was like, this is the most pressure I've ever had before a game. Like, I couldn't sleep last night. I kept waking up in the middle of the night thinking, what if we lose? And I know that the man was prone to hyperbole a bunch, but I felt like that was genuine because it was. It felt like you were kind of, like, this was like a Louisville game. Like, you had all of the old players were back in town. All of the old coaches were back in town. All these old fans that have had season tickets for 50 years were, were there and juiced up. Like, if you lost that game, it was going to be the biggest deflation of all time. Like we would still would have had the videos and the celebrations and Griff would have gotten on the mic and talked, but it would have been just a, a totally different day. So thank God we won. But I, I just remember like just, just that, that, that buzz. It was just such a different feeling yeah. walking in and walking out. It was awesome. And it, yeah, it was a perfect weather day too. It yeah. Sunny. Um, the, the only problem is I think all our team spent every last ounce of energy during that game because the next two games were a flat out disaster for them. But oh, they I mean, thought they'd already won the title. Like that was <laughs> exactly. It. They were like, we did, we did it, guys. We're good. Who was it? Cincy they lost to in the Big East tournament, and then that's yeah. when they got run by Cal in the tournament. Um, yeah, lost to Cincy and Lance Stevenson in the the Big East tournament. That was when they were terrible. Like they had already won two games just to get to play us, and then I'll never forget Selection Sunday that year. We got the 8-9 game against Cal, and Duke, who ended up winning the national title, was the one seed we played. And they interviewed, like, they had the news stations were at the gathering. I think it was at Molly Malone's or something. And Edgar Social was on the mic, and he was like, I love that we got Duke. Like, I really, and I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, oh, no. I was like, right, right then, I was like, there's no way. Like, we're done. That, that was it right there. I was like, God damn it, Edgar. Like, come on. Yeah. But, uh, but we, they are, you know, they did what they needed to do. They gave us that senior day moment. They gave us that regular season finale moment. It was awesome. A hundred percent. And like, not to forget, I, cause you were talking about big regular season games, uh, to end the season. Obviously that's probably the biggest one, but the year before that was yeah. huge. It was the West Virginia game at Morgantown to win the big East. And 
I like as awesome as the current game was, I remember just the pure elation I had when we went into Morgantown and won because it was very hard to win there back then. And I remember T. Will had a great game. That was awesome. That day was I, I, I'm with you. Like that day was fantastic. I remember because game day went there. So we all got up. We all went over to our buddy. We went to Shady Lane. We went to that house and we watched game day. And then if you remember, like at noon, it was Pitt versus UConn and we needed Pitt to beat UConn. So that if we won that night, we had the the Big East title outright, and Pitt won, and it was it was awesome. So then we had like six hours to wait around for the game. It was unseasonably warm. We cooked out, like just drank all day, and then beating West Virginia. And yeah, that that great picture in the locker room with the Big East champion sign and Patino oh, going, yeah. Preston Knowles throwing up the shocker and screaming like that was. You're right, like that was. We haven't had as big a regular season finale since those two years, I think, until this year. Like I think this is going to be that type of game. I'm trying to think if there was another one. I think the like the AAC year where we ended up beating Connecticut by 33 and then they, yeah. they won the national title. I think we won, like we clinched a share of the AAC title that day. I think that was a big one too. Yeah, and I mean, it's I don't know what else we could ask for. It's against the defending national champ. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I, the weather's starting to turn for the better, so I, I couldn't be more jacked for tomorrow. Yeah, let's get right into it. Let's talk about uh, this game. Um, I guess we'll start off with this because the, the seeding scenarios are a little bit funky as far as the conference tournament. I mean, if you're just talking about the ACC regular season title, if Louisville beats Virginia, they clinch at least a share. Now, we're going to need Florida State to lose to Boston College uh, <laughs> for us to win it outright. I mean, God damn it, Mike Bray. Like, <laughs> Dude, that, that was just such a – I mean – yeah, it was a. Did he shot. listen to the pod? Did Did he listen to the last podcast? We kind of we kind of took some shots at Bray. Um, I said some so nice so nice things about him on the the fundamentally sound podcast too a couple of days ago, and I'm wondering if he heard some of this because they just completely choked that game away. Yeah, I mean when they were up, I think like, God, they were up eight with not too much time left and they were up the whole game yeah i mean they led literally the whole game they're up by three with under a minute left and yeah just i i mean the the and one um that florida state got with i don't know i can't remember how much time like 20 seconds left where uh they called the foul on uh mooney yeah mooney god i keep wanting to say cooley but they call it that was a pretty questionable call but god just I really, I was really pulling for Notre Dame. Yeah, Florida State led for 16 seconds in that game, which is just, it, it blows your mind. But that last sequence that you said, I, I loved it. They had the camera in the Notre Dame huddle, and Prentice Hub is like, he's screaming something, and then you hear him at the very end. He's like, if you have to foul, foul the shit out of him. And, and <laughs> I'm like, all right, like, interesting advice, Prentice. And like five seconds later, John Mooney gets like a touch chest foul. Uh, which you're right, it was a pretty questionable call, but still, if you're gonna, if he gets the ball on the block, just go ahead and just just foul him, and they end up tying the game, and then they get the ball back and hit the game winner. It was super super frustrating. Bray didn't do his post game stuff, threw his headset down, um, flipped out. I hope he blames the ACC again for uh, you know being mad at them for not having football in the conference. That would have been great, but because Notre Dame couldn't get the job done, it looks like the best we're we're going to be able to do is probably share the conference title. If that uh, the most the easiest to digest seating scenario, if Louisville loses to Virginia on tomorrow, on Saturday, the top four set. Like if you, know, you don't need to worry about any other scenario. If Louisville loses to Virginia, Florida State will be the one seed. Virginia will be the two seed. Louisville will be the three seed. Duke will be the four. 
it gets a little bit more convoluted after that. If you're looking for the the too long didn't read synopsis, Louisville's either going to be the two or the three seed here. Um, it would take a lot of work for them to be the one. Um, there's still, I think there's like a two percent chance, according to Kelly Dickey, they've got to win. Florida State's got to lose. I think Duke has to win too. Um, most likely, if Louisville wins, they're probably going to be the two seed. I think that's the simplest way to say it. If Louisville beats Virginia, we're probably going to be the two seed. If Louisville loses to Virginia, we're definitely going to be the three seed. So either way, we're getting a night game on Thursday. Like, that's cool. like I'm, yeah. I'm happy with that. And, I mean, as disappointed as I am that Florida State did win the other night, with them winning, that probably, for the most part, and I don't want to say this 100% certainty, but I think that mostly probably eliminates us from being on their side of the bracket. I'm pretty sure we're probably going to get Duke or Virginia in that two, three slot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, that, that part sucks, but I'm actually all right. If we do miss Florida state until the title game. Um, Cause I think we, we'd probably do match up better with Virginia and Duke. No, you're right. I mean, I think that the, the way the scenarios play out, I actually think there's there's no chance that we would play Florida State before the finals because if there's that doomsday scenario for them where we win, they lose to BC, and either Duke or North Carolina win, we're going to be the one and they're going to be either the two or the three. So there's there's no scenario where we would play Florida State before the championship game, which I'm fine with. And that would also be, like I think that's the, that's the perfect Saturday night opponent. I know Duke would be a bigger national story. Maybe even Virginia would be a bigger national story. But for us, I kind of feel like we hate Florida State more than anybody right now. Like yeah, we had the, no, the bad agree. vibes the last game. I feel like that would be the one that we would get the most juiced up for. They they kind of have a Syracuse vibe from like the Big East days to us a little bit. Um, I don't know. I would I would prefer like like you said, it wouldn't get as much national buzz. But man, I would be so juiced up, and I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm mean, we I still know, need, I we need to like actually win a game in the ACC tournament before we can even talk like that. But it would be cool. Yeah, let's talk about the game we actually have to play before we get even get into the postseason in Charlottesville, a place that we have not won since we came to the conference, and, and really, we've only come close a couple of times, but Louisville, it's probably going to be about a pick em, I think, when the spread comes out. Uh, maybe Virginia's a one-point favorite, maybe Louisville's a one-point favorite, but it's going to be, it's it's going to look like a coin flip game, and the reason why, Virginia, hottest team in the ACC right now, out of nowhere, they've won seven straight. The offense has been at least a little bit better. I know it was so good against us, but since they they, they lost that game and hung 73 uh, on us in, in the Yum Center, they've actually been playing okay offense, last game notwithstanding, the 46-44 ugly victory over Miami. But this is, uh, on in one view, like they've won seven straight. They're playing real well. They're obviously going to be in the NCAA tournament. They have an outside shot at winning the ACC regular season title. On the other They've won seven games by a combined 26 points. That's the, according to Ken Pomeroy, that's the tied for the smallest margin of victory during a seven-game winning streak in the history of college basketball. So which end of the spectrum do you fall on right now? Is Virginia legit? Like, are they a team that could you know, legitimately make a, a run of the second weekend of the, of the NCAA tournament? Or is this kind of a little bit of fool's gold? They've gotten some stuff right, but they're still beating some not-so-great teams by really small margins. I'll say this. I have never been able to predict what I'm going to get from Virginia pretty much ever. I met the year they lost to UMBC. I had them winning, winning it all. So they lose to a 16 seed. And then of course, last year I was like, there's no way that style play is going to, you know, carry him on in the tournament. And I had them going out early. They win it all. 
And then on the pod when they played him this year, I was like, this is going to be a low scoring game. <laughs> Expected in the 40s and 50s. And like, it was like 81 73. So pretty much anything I try to predict on Virginia, I'm, I'm going to be wrong. Um, I will say this. Um, it's not even so much Virginia. I'm just worried about how we've looked on the road, our last three road games. Um, and I mean, this is going to be an absolute charged up environment. Senior days uh, there from guys who won the national title, uh, you know, ACC on the line. It's 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 going to be very tough. Um, we're going to definitely have to play one of our better games if we're going to want to come out with a W. Yeah, I'd almost forgotten how badly we've been on the road the last three times just because, you know, it's some of those games have been so long ago. But we had that reputation for being road warriors the first month and a half of the conference season, won our first six league games outside of home, and then had the, the loss to Georgia Tech, the blowout loss to Clemson, and then, of course, the Florida State game a couple of Mondays ago. I, I don't know if that's a trend, if that's – I mean – I find it hard to believe that we would go from being mentally tough enough to win all those games on the road, including one at Cameron Indoor Stadium, to just you know falling apart when environments get a little bit hostile. I feel like that's just more. Like, I don't think the road was the biggest factor in those games. I think it was just we just didn't play well. But um, you're right, John Paul Jones Arena is going to be really, really juiced up. Um, they're saying goodbye to a couple of seniors. They have a. I mean, they're into the conference title thing. Like they feel like they've got new life. They suddenly feel like they could you know, potentially have a Cinderella run back to the final four. It's uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be even tougher if Louisville does not have Malik Williams, which we should probably talk about. I thought it was interesting the way that this this kind of thing has unfolded this week. You've got Dino Gaudio. He goes on the V show with Bob Valvano yesterday on ESPN 680 and says, you know, don't want to give anything away, but there's no fucking way he's playing. Like that, that's a, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically was like, he's doubtful. He hadn't been doing much. Uh, I don't think he's going to play, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's the answer. Chris Mack uh, goes on. He, he tapes the his coach's show with Kent Taylor of, of Wave 3 and kind of says the opposite a little bit. He's like, he's day-to-day. He's been doing a little bit better. He wasn't moving around last week. Now he's moving around. And then we kind of, uh, I think we have it on fairly high authority that Chris Mack has told people behind the scenes. This is a, a podcast exclusive. It pays to listen to the podcast um, that he thinks, unless something changes in the next 24 hours, Malik is probably going to play in this game, but it's going to be a diminished role. He's probably going to play like 10 to 15 minutes. So regardless of how much he plays or if he plays at all, you're, you feel like you're going to be a little bit less strong inside, which is concerning because Jay Huff is just, he turned into fucking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar out of nowhere right now. Yeah. And (laughs) Dino cracks me up. He's got a little bit of that Italiana Ricky P in him where Rick would just, I mean, the way he would describe injuries, he'd be like, I think we've seen David Padgett play his last basketball. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's dead. He's back on the court he, two he, weeks later. He is <laughs> like, dead. Oh. Juan yeah, Palacios died yesterday. Like, that, yeah. he's done. I, I'll never forget the Padgett injury. Like, hurt his knee in a December. Like, we played some scrubs, and he literally came out. He's like, I think we're looking at the end of a career here. And he was literally back on the floor in two weeks. I was like, what the hell just happened here? But no, I mean, yeah, I mean, Malik, it's it's such like a weird situation because I do want him to play. But gosh, I really only want him to play if he's 100%. And I know like they'll do what's best for, for him and the team. I know they wouldn't put him in a compromising situation, but you know, for like peace of mind, I just uh, I really want him to be healthy for the tournament. But 
like you said, I mean, they're a load. Um, Jay Huff is playing out of his mind. I think he had – what did he have like 10 blocks against Duke, or am I against making that Duke, up? He, he hit 10 blocks. He's the first uh, player to have 10 blocks in a Power 5 or Power 6 conference game since 2012, and he came one rebound away from a triple-double against Duke. Yeah, and I mean – if he's shooting the ball well, he I mean, he's a, he's a matchup nightmare. He's very tough to handle. So we're going to have our hands full. I mean, there's just absolutely no way we're going to be able to play offensively like we did last game against them. That's just about as good as you could possibly play offensively. Um, and that's not a knock on us. It's just we sure. played out of our mind. Um, and Virginia is just too good defensively. And, and to let that happen, they'll make adjustments. So we're definitely going to have to bring our defense because I like – you know, I know I was wrong last time, but I would be surprised if this isn't a low-scoring slugfest. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'll ask you, which do you think was the bigger outlier performance? Because they scored 73 against us. Their offense has been real bad all year long. Thomas Wolden Tensai goes berserk from outside. He hasn't really done that since that game. But we also scored 80 on them. When you look at what Virginia has done in the game since, they allowed 49 points to Notre Dame, 62 to Carolina, 65 to BC. 56 to Pitt, 53 to Virginia Tech, 50 to Duke, and 44 to Miami. Like Nobody has come close to having the type of game that we had, hanging 80 on them and hitting all the shots from the outside. Which do you think was the bigger, I hate to use the word fluky, but I can't think of another one, which was the bigger fluky performance, our offense against them or their offense against us? I would say our offense against them only because – defense is Virginia's calling card. That's literally what they they hang their hat on. Um, and you just do not expect a Tony Bennett coach team to, even if a team is shooting the ball the way that they are, you don't expect them to give up 81 points. Um, and like I said, I mean, everything we did offensively worked. We shot the ball well. We moved the ball well. We penetrated well. Um, I'm pretty sure I can't, I'll have to go back and look. I want to say we shot our free throw as well, but maybe I'm wrong there. But I would say, yeah, just the way Virginia defends, you know, I was very surprised for us to score 81. Yeah, when you look at, um, I mentioned Thomas Wolden Tensai, who lit us up for, what, 27 points in that game, hit 7 of 10 from 3. The the native of Bologna, Italy, I'm going to say it right this time. I think that's right. I'm not sure at all. He hasn't come. He scored 18 points in the Carolina game, hit six threes in that game. But outside of that, he hasn't really done a whole lot. His last three games, no points against Miami, no points against Duke, five points against Virginia Tech. So he comes in here ice cold. I'm fully expecting him to hit 17 threes now. Like that's uh, like it's going to be him or Kia Clark again, just lighting us up from the outside. And then Jay Huff, look, if you don't have Malik Williams or you have Malik Williams in a limited capacity, like Stephen Enoch's going to have to step up defensively. I think, and I think he also is going to have to be mature enough to pick his spots on offense because. Too many times we've seen Steven get the ball on the block or get forced out where he's like 12, 14 feet away. And he just, you can just tell the ball's going to go up. Like he, he's not going to pass it out. He's, he's going to set himself up for a baby hook on the, over the left shoulder or the right shoulder. And Jay Huff is, uh, he's a shot blocking machine. Like he, he is really, really good at defending players who play exactly the way that Steven does. He's going to have to be. He's got to be better than he was last week against Virginia Tech, I think, for us to have a shot to win this game because Huff is playing at such a high level. I almost would rather have us go with that small lineup. For I, I was about to ask you that. I was going to ask which lineup would you be more comfortable in because I'm the same. I was thinking the exact same way. For some reason, I just I think having five guys where we can spread them out and penetrate and kick and 
I mean, we're, we're going to have to hit some threes this game. Um, you know, I, I just think that might be the better route um, for us to go. Here's the other thing about this game, too, is we talked about the, the regular season title ramifications and the conference tournament seeding scenarios. I think this is, I mean, this is a quad one opportunity for Louisville. And I think when you look at our resume right now, more and more people are taking note of the fact that it's, it's a little bit sketchy. We're number eight in the net right now. And I know that a lot of these bracketologists, including Joe Lenardi, have us as a two seed right now. I don't know. I don't know how much we should trust these guys. First, we've mentioned this before. Lenardi is way off on seeding usually when it comes down to when you compare his seed lines with Selection Sunday and what the bracket actually looks like. I think he was 55th last year out of all the bracketologists. We are we're four and four in quad one games. We're two and four against the, the net top 40. Like we, when you compare us to a lot of the other teams that are fighting on that two, three, four, five seed lines, we don't stack up all that favorably. We're going to have, we have this game to get another quad one win. We're going to ha- probably have two opportunities in the semifinals and the title game if we make it that far in the conference tournament to make it. Like, I think we quietly need to get at least a couple of these wins to solidify ourselves as at least a three seed. If we lose this one and then say, losing the semis in the conference tournament, I feel like it could be one of those years where everybody's saying that we're going to be a two or a three and then Selection Sunday happens and we're actually a four or a five and people get all pissed off about it. But our resume is quietly suspect. Like we need to go ahead and shore this thing up and winning at Virginia when they've been one of the hottest teams in the entire country would go a long way towards accomplishing that. So this is this is a big game for a number of reasons. Yeah. And we've talked about it before. It seems like for some reason we're always surprised when it comes to selection Sunday on kind of when, when the brackets come out, what our seat is. And this is just me. I can't get too wrapped up in all that. It really starts to like hurt my brain. If I try to crunch numbers, (laughs) what do we need to be like a two or three? I, and this is like, here we go. Another old man answer. I am more concerned with how we are playing going into the tournament versus like, if we, no, I really, I, I, I would like to play well. Of course I would definitely, I feel like we need to win Saturday and I want to win, but, if we played a really well-played game and we, we came up short, I would still be pissed off, but I would feel a lot better than if we got run out by, you know, and I, Virginia usually doesn't run people out of the building, right. but if we lost by like, you know, 13 or 14, I would I would be pretty upset. But um, I, I just want us to look like we're clicking offense, offensively and defensively. And then just, I mean, that's really all you can do and the seating will take care of itself. You're like three years away from being the, <laughs> being the guy who's like, who cares about Damn our city? Stop worrying about our city. Everybody's got to win six games in three weeks. I'm like, I oh, just, my God. I mean, like, I, I log on and I see, like, Lenardi, like, just updating this thing every second. And then, like, the brackets come out and he's, like, not even close on half of these. I'm like, why am I putting myself through this? Just, like, I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to see how we're playing. I'm going to enjoy it versus like worrying about where we're going to end up because we're going to have to win, you know, six games to win a title anyway. So let's just play well and see what happens. Yeah, I'm fine with saying like I'm not going to worry about where we go because I can't control that. But I'm I'm only worried about like we could only beat the team in front of us. Well, yeah, but like do you realize how much easier it is to make a Final Four as a one seed than like a six seed? There are yep. reasons like like matchups matter. The same people who are like all you got to do is is you know win six games. Everybody's got to play the same. It's all the same. Those are the same people who are like, we got a bad matchup in round two. It fucked us. Like you can avoid, you can make it, the chances of having a bad matchup significantly lower if you improve your seating. It absolutely matters. And it's, it's, I mean, 
I get that we have no control over it, but you have to at least talk about it. And it's a, it's a big deal trying to get up to one of those top two, top three lines, um, especially in a year like this where if you're a, a three seed, I feel like whoever you play in the Sweet 16 isn't going to be anyone overly scary. Maybe it's going to be a bad matchup for you. But if you're a four seed, you run the risk of running into Kansas in the Sweet 16. You could run into Baylor, who I think is, even though they've not been playing that well the last couple of weeks, I think Baylor is a nightmare matchup for us. So, yeah, like I, I really want to be a three or a two seed in the NCAA tournament because I think it would give us a significantly better chance of making a deep run than if we're a four or a five. So it, it definitely matters. But do you Do you think the one seeds are significantly better than the two seeds? I think two of them are. I think. Uh, I think Baylor and Kansas are. I, I don't think San Diego State is. Um, they looked bad again yesterday. Um, I also think, are you ready for the, the tinfoil hat conspiracy theory? Yeah. San Diego State's trying to lose right now. Like, they are absolutely trying to lose in the Mountain West tournament. And I heard, um, nobody else was watching this. And I, I only know because I Twitter searched to see if anybody else was talking about it. It was like 1 a.m. last night, halftime of the Wyoming game, John Rothstein and Wally Zerbiak were like going at it over whether or not they should be losing. And finally, Rothstein pulled like the classic nerd Rothstein card where he's like, well, I was talking to Brian Dutcher last week. And he's like, he absolutely wants to be the two seed so he can stay in L.A. in the second weekend and not have to fly all the way across the country and go to Madison Square Garden. I'm telling you, they're going to lose today or tomorrow so they can try to be the two seed. Dayton's going to get bumped up. They can be the number one seed in the East. But I don't think San Diego State's that good. Like, I, I just, I don't. And I think Gonzaga is... They're fine. They're not as good as they've been the last couple of years. Like, I think last year's Gonzaga team would just destroy this year's Gonzaga team. But Baylor and Kansas, I think, are significantly better than, like, say, I don't know, like Maryland or Duke or whoever might get bumped up there. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't watched enough of San Diego State to really judge them. Um, but I know that their last couple games they've played close. Kansas definitely looks like the real deal. So that is obviously one team that I would like to avoid. Baylor, like you said, be a tough matchup for us because of how athletic they are. But they have kind of struggled here a little bit as of late. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We just <laughs> – I'm just coming back. Like, we just got to go out and play and see where we just land. Just got to play who's in front of you, man. Like, <laughs> stop, stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about what we can't control. Like, you're, you're, you're that guy now. That's, I really that's am. That's me. Mark me down Jesus for Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, last thought on this game on, on Saturday. I mentioned – and this is not a joking thing. Like, I, I, this isn't something I'm just, like, playing up for the site or for Twitter or whatever. When we found out that we were having a baby and we were talking about names and stuff, I wanted to name, if it was a girl, I wanted to name it Virginia. My wife is Mary Virginia. My mom's Virginia. My grandmother was Virginia. My great-grandmother was Virginia. It's a family name. And I kind of jokingly said, this is how insane we are at our house. I was like, you know, maybe having a daughter and naming her Virginia is the thing that reverses all the curses that we've had with this team. Um, they seem to always play us in close in football, even when they suck, or they beat us in football, even when they suck. They own us in basketball. Like, maybe this is what changes things around. Baby arrives September 5th. Happy six-month birthday to her. We beat Virginia in football in a year where they actually win the Coastal Division title. We, and they were ranked when we played them. We beat them in basketball finally. We just beat Virginia Tech in basketball on senior day. If we round up this whole thing, if we beat them on their home floor, regular season finale, their senior night, to win a share of the ACC, I feel like we found the curse. Like I, I feel like the baby, little Virginia Rutherford, has reversed everything. I feel like she's got a lot on the line tomorrow. Yeah, I couldn't agree. And gosh, Mary Virginia, she puts up with so much from you. Jeez. 
she put i mean imagine mary virginia like uh, like in her like mid-teens thinking about like marrying the perfect guy like oh i can't wait it's gonna be so great like i'm gonna marry mr everything and then like now she's like okay so the guy i'm marrying is marrying or naming our kids after college athletic teams uh yeah i'm all for it let's go so yeah, I gotta give Mary a shout out. She's a saint. But I mean, imagine yeah. her like like freshman, like hot shit, Washington County. Like she's like dating like the seniors. Like thinks she's like the, you know she's the prettiest girl in the entire world. And she's like, my future husband's gonna be this millionaire doctor. It's like, oh no, he's he's asking me trivia about Big South tournament basketball in the basement and staying the, up until four a.m. to write about college basketball. She is. These, these are these are what dreams are made of right here. I, yeah, it's uh, no, but. I mean, Virginia, 100%. She's been a rock star for, you know, her first couple of Virginia games. So if she pulls this one out, I, I mean, not that you don't have anything special with her, but I think we can just affirm that, you know, she's the best. I'll shun her. If we lose, she's getting shunned <laughs> the rest of, of March. It's not, it's not going to happen. It would be kind of cool. I mean, because there's a very realistic scenario in place where if we beat them on Saturday, we're going to have to play them again next week in the semifinals. If we beat Virginia three times after just getting destroyed by them for the last five years, it would feel really like that would be a pretty good cathartic moment. And I, I will drive to Louisville and hold baby Virginia <laughs> up like Simba, like over like, <laughs> like the yum center. Like, Oh my God, that would just be great. But yeah, long a way to go. Here. A lot yeah. on the line here. A um, couple of questions we asked you guys from Twitter. We'll get to that. And then I would, the Dan of the Dump story for today is that he didn't get to go to the last game at Freedom Hall. So we'll, That's we'll true. spare yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, you wanted me. Okay, I could expand on it a little more. Me and my brother, because we thought we may be able to go. We didn't know if my uncle was going to come in. And at the last second, he's like, I'm coming in. And we we're like, oh, all right. And I was like, do we just like, because everyone we knew went to the game. We're like, do we just want to watch it like at my place? We're like, we probably need to like go somewhere. We went to this is so. We watched it at Tony Boomba's at Westport Village, and like, believe me, it was not the same atmosphere that was going on. (laughs) I'll just say that I was like, oh god, but yeah, that's uh, that's my day in the dumps. Um, Some questions here. People are asking about the uh, coronavirus and whether or not Chris Mack and Tony Bennett are going to shake hands. This is still the it's. It's strange for me to see. Like, I, I get that it's becoming a thing nationally where the players aren't shaking hands after the game. But I sent you the video earlier. The um, the Kelvin Sampson, Danny Hurley fist bump from last night when UConn had upset Houston. And it's so awkward because it looks like Sampson wants to go for the handshake and Hurley goes for the fist bump. And then they fist bump and then, like, wave at one another when they're walking away. Like, I, don't, I feel like Chris Mack is a guy who's going to be like, fuck this. Like, we're shaking hands. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think he would care. I was actually thinking about this because this coronavirus, like people are talking about playing, you know, tournament games in D3 and empty arenas. And I was like, God, what a disaster that would be for us. Because the only game we've had this year in like an empty type atmosphere was the scrimmage that we had against Ohio State, where apparently we just got our ass kicked. So come on, we, we, we don't need this to happen. I don't want to play a final four in front of an empty arena. You made that joke. Chris Mack made the exact same joke today at his press Did conference. Did he really? Oh he, my I swear God. to God. He, uh, he, <laughs> Chris. He, he, somebody asked him about it and he was like, I don't really, he's like, I don't really know what's going on. I can't really comment on that. He's like, the only thing I'll say is 
the one time that we've played with no fans in attendance, we got our ass kicked by Ohio State. So I'm trying to avoid that. Like he said the exact same thing. That um, is wow. I feel pretty cool now. I kind of the only thing that would be hilarious is if they had the NCAA tournament without fans. Is if all the Pac-12 teams played really well, and so we could all make that joke that they, you know, they're used to not playing in front of fans. Like that would be funny. Besides that, I think like all the all the top four seeds this year, besides maybe Florida State, and even they've had big crowds for their big games. The one against us was great, but like most of the top teams this year in the tournament play in front of pretty rowdy home crowds. I feel like it would be jarring for them to go from that to just playing in front of nobody but um i I still don't think that's going to happen but we'll see we just got a a couple weeks here um multiple people asked if there's still an outside shot for us to get a one seed i I mean i would say no i I can't imagine i mean i uh, like what would the doomsday scenario be we beat virginia we win the acc with a combination of i don't know who would be the best quarterfinal opponent but beat Virginia or Duke in the semifinals and then Florida State or Virginia or Duke in the finals. Like that would be three quad one wins. Maybe Dayton loses in the A ten. San Diego State doesn't win the Mountain West. Um I still feel like there there are too many teams above us at this point for us. So we'd, we'd be in that conversation, but I feel like we wouldn't get it. Like I don't think there's a scenario in place. I'd put it at like maybe two percent. I don't know. Yeah. These are this is what I was talking about. These are the scenarios that make my brain hurt trying to think about it, but I just can't see us getting up to the one line. I think too much would have to happen. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jim says, who do we miss more next year, Dwayne Sutton or Jordan Wara? Oh, man. Oh, that is a, that's a tough one. Like, I want to say Dwayne, but then I can see the season starting and like us not shooting. I'd be like, okay, I do kind of miss Jordan. Um, right. I'm going to go with Dwayne just cause I think he just brings something unique to our team that it's hard to really recreate. I'm probably going to go with Jordan just because I feel like he's, he, he's guaranteed to get you points against kind of mid to lower level teams. He's going to be an offensive threat, even against major competition that they have to work to game plan for. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I love Dwayne. I would have him play here for a billion years if it were possible. But, like, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I wonder, like, who's going to – if Jay Scrub doesn't come next year, if he goes to the NBA, who fills that role as, like, the scoring option number one? Like, David Johnson is fantastic at getting to the bucket. He's a terrific assist guy. But can he get to the point where when teams are backing off him, does the outside shot become reliable enough that he can score that way? Um, I, I feel like, like – Have you ever watched Quinn Slazinski? <laughs> Just making sure. Is he the answer? He is the answer. God. Oh man, I'm I'm expecting big things from Quinn next year. I am too. Like I think he's going to be good. Like I think he's going to. It's funny that they're talking about. Have you seen the quotes too about the uh, that the seniors made about Jalen Weathers about what a freak athlete he is and how they expect yeah. him to be. Again, that made me excited too because I think that it's not. I don't think it's just lip service for them trying to pump up a guy who's been redshirting this year and maybe was. You know, it's it's kind of a humbling thing if you come here as a top recruit or a top-ish recruit. All these kids are top recruits, and you get redshirted your freshman year. I don't, I, but I don't think that they're doing that. Like I think they legitimately think he's going to be a good player. I still expect big things from this freshman class long term. I know out, it's almost outside like, of the top two. Yeah, it's almost like most of our freshmen have been a mystery at this point, to where we're really not going to find out too much about him until next year, just because obviously the the lack of playing time, but you know, 
Aiden has been, I guess, if you want to say hurt, I don't know what's going on there. Um, and then uh, Quinn has gotten in a little bit. Nickelberry's got in a little bit. And then, yeah, like you said, the, the praise for Jalen um, seems promising. And he just looks like he's gotten bigger. If you're looking at him on the bench, he, he does. Like he's uh, whatever the, he's doing in the weight room. He's doing the right thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's intriguing and. Um, you know, I guess I'm pretty excited for them to move into their sophomore year, year even though I, I guess I don't know too much about their games. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I, I think that, look, the hype for Samuel Williamson next year, I feel like is going to be pretty extreme. I, I think people are going to get really excited about him stepping into a starting role and potentially being that scoring option number one on most possessions. Um, we'll see if he can live up to that. I think he probably can. And that's, again, I'm, this is if Jay Scrub chooses not to come here because if Scrub comes, then all of a sudden you're talking about David Johnson, Jay Scrub, and Samuel Williamson, three guys who are all going to be in NBA mock drafts all offseason. Like, that's going to be real, real exciting. But if he doesn't, then I think people are going to get really excited about Samuel Williamson. But the, mo- the more interesting thing-, thing about next year's roster to me is who makes that jump? Like, it- is it Josh Nickelberry who can step into a starting role or be that first guy off the bench, the Ryan McMahon of this year of next year's team? Uh, can it be Quinn? Can it be – what role does Jalen Withers play? I think that's going to be fun. And then – I assume we're probably going to go after a grad transfer at some point. Who does that guy wind up being? Um, The only recruiting, because people always ask us for recruiting opinions and and stuff like that, the only major recruiting note from the last time that we talked about this is Zion Harmon. Um, We kind of did the whole, like, it's not you, it's us type deal. Like, we knew that he wasn't going to come here. I think most people expect him to go to Seton Hall. I think Maryland's the only other school that has a legit shot. And so we're no longer recruiting him is the story that's been out there. So uh, we'll see what happens. But Louisville had a big-time recruiting weekend last week. Uh, three guys were on campus that are big-time prospects from the 2021 class. I feel like we've got some good inroads there. We just need to get this NCAA stuff a, a little bit more clear for us to, I think, really get back on track. Yeah, and I'm sure the coaching staff wants nothing, nothing more than kind of a clear picture of what direction that's going to take us because I'm sure that'll help them give a clear message to all the recruits and can only help us. All right, uh, prediction time. We got Louisville uh, in Charlottesville, 4 o'clock tip-off, conference title on the line. Do the cards get it done? Do they end this regular season on the right note? What's your prediction for tomorrow? I'm just going to be honest. I don't have a good feeling about tomorrow. I just don't. Um, Just because of it being senior day and how rowdy it's going to be there. I don't think we've played particularly well of late. I'm going to say we lose, I'll say 61-53. I've got kind of a bad feeling too. And the last time that you had a bad feeling and I had a good feeling, it didn't go great for us in Tallahassee. So I'm going to kind of, I'm hopefully I can reverse the mojo by siding with you. I feel like I don't, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as you're predicting. I feel like it's going to be a competitive game. And I think that we we all leave this game talking about if Malik Williams were just fully healthy, we would have had a better shot. But I'll say Virginia wins like 68 to 64, 68 to 64. I'll say that. that. That sounds about right. But if they win, it just makes it more special because it feels like things are going better for Virginia right now than they are for us. But the other thing, too, about the Malik Williams stuff is I know that we're saying we got to save him for the games that you know are bigger down the line. We, we're running out of time here for, for guys to get back into the flow. I think he's going to, if he's even 80, 90%, he needs to at least play a little bit because after this, we're in a win in advance situation from every game uh, moving forward. So 
it's a big time deal. But hopefully you and I are both wrong. And hopefully we're on here talking over the weekend about a, a big time win and getting ready for the postseason. Regardless, it's the best time of the year. Um, the, the, the women's team's playing right now against Syracuse in the conference tournament. We got the, the little conference tournaments going on. We got live basketball in the afternoons. It's never a better time to be a sports fan than right now. So we'll talk to you guys after the weekend. Go Cards. Beat Virginia. Go Cubs.